Welcome to the Secrets to Mindful Health podcast. I am your host, Beth Warren. For those of you who might know me or don't know me, uh, I am Beth Warren. I am a registered dietitian and I've been in practice for over a decade. Ever since I started nutrition and trying to help people through the power of food, I quickly learned that the commonality of why people may not feel successful in it or its short-term results versus what your goal is of working so hard in the moment and keeping it sustainable is that there's a missing thread throughout of this more wellness broad circle of things that actually affect weight and health and the ability for you to actually eat healthy. It's when I realized that there is a lot more of an emotional mental component than people give credit for. They might be aware and sort of laugh it off, but it's actually a vital connection that you need in order to be successful to reach your long-term weight and health goals. For me, it's always been weight and health goals. If you see even marketing or websites I've had for years, I've never just referenced weight. I've always referenced weight in context to health, which is why what I promote is not a diet focused ideology because that doesn't have necessarily much to do with health. And although you might improve health markers from weight loss alone, you miss out on 7 million bundles of benefits for your quality of life, your well-being, and your health in the long run, including your emotional health, which I find these years, thank God, it's becoming more of a point of focus and acknowledgement that we're missing the ball there. And we do need to acknowledge this. And it's not just some hoopla stigma associated thing. It's real. I was happy for the opportunity to now discuss our topic of the day, which is about emotional eating. And unfortunately, what propelled me to discuss it is the reality of what's going on in the world today, which I send my thoughts and prayers um, that it ends soon and um, our people are protected. But it's a very real heightened stress internal response, meaning we all know stress, we're seeing stress, but the the effect internally on our bodies is real and it dictates physical pain and it dictates physical uh, actions, which then exacerbate pain. Um, pain could even be in terms of just weight gain and, and the, or improper balance of blood sugar and all these other physical issues that uh, will then bring on symptoms chronically over time. And that's, I think, why you'll, you're all here to discuss this emotional eating. So the way I phrase the topic, and as I was researching in the 24 hours for more focused help for you guys, I was trying to make the topic a little bit more specific because a lot of times, and even on my Instagram at Beth underscore Warren, you can see that I open up question boxes and they people always reference emotional eating. And I put that in quotes because a lot of times because you're feeling, let's just reference it as anxious, you automatically get more anxious because of the feelings that you might have about food or eating, meaning it propels more anxiety versus 
actually helping you combat what's going on. And I don't want anybody to feel like you have to be so extra anxious about the concept of emotional eating or that you might be eating emotionally. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to define emotional eating from a clinical definition. I'm going to define also stress eating, stress eating, because it's different. And I'm going to reference what people love to throw around as quote unquote binge eating. I say it like this because I'm so careful in practice for years to ever label somebody or classify something. First of all, people shouldn't because only doctors can actually diagnose something. But even so, even a diagnosis, I'm careful about constantly referencing only from a helpful functional perspective that actually helps you get clarity to then put the actions in motion to change it. Otherwise, a definition and a classification and a diagnosis, if it's only closing a box around you that you feel you're just living in and actually being buried by, throw it out the window. Doesn't matter. Okay. So with that being said, how I'd like to start is first validating all of us that eating because of emotions sometimes is absolutely normal. It's absolutely normal. God gave us food that literally does affect neurotransmitters and serotonin and dopamine to help make us feel better. It's not imagined. And I always say that if God gave us something, we just have to utilize it for our benefits as it's intended. Any good thing can spiral into something negative if we're not aware and attuned and educated. So the panic that I referenced, I get through Instagram or clients, I emotionally eat. What do I do? It's not necessary to start because it's normal. It's normal that when you had a bad day, you just want to cozy up with a bowl of popcorn because it just makes you feel good in the moment. And it's normal to also eat out of positive emotions. Like when we have a birthday, you had a piece of your birthday cake. Eating out of emotions means that you're not necessarily eating because you're hungry. You're eating because of those reasons. You're celebrating. You're just in a bad mood and you know you just want to go a mile to truck to your favorite ice cream place because it's just what you want in the moment and you just feel so good. And this is when you'd see me reference a lot of things on my Instagram. And even one time last summer, I remember an emotional eating post that got a lot of flack from people feeling very triggered by it too. That it's okay if you want to sit and have a piece of chocolate because you just need a minute with yourself and are in a certain mood. First of all, it's not imagined. Chocolate increases serotonin. It does make you feel better. But the issue and the fine line here that we need to define is when this becomes chronic, when it becomes always your outlet of coping, when it becomes something that you always are going towards when you have any feelings, any emotions, it's the food, it's the food, it's the food. And you're not building your other building blocks and foundations in healthy or, or healthy coping mechanisms. The part two of that is when doing that results in feelings and emotions of shame and negativity. That's when it's another flag that this either might not be the healthiest coping mechanism for you or how I started off by saying you're not approaching it with the openness and understanding that it's okay. It's okay sometimes. So those are the kind of two major red flags to look out for 
if you're concerned about, oh my God, I'm emotionally eating, which totally should have been the topic, FYI. Oh my God, I'm emotionally eating. Because usually it comes with a panic, right? But the first thing to do is to not panic, right? It's easier said than done. The one thing you don't tell people when they need to calm down is to calm down, but you got to calm down, okay? Because it's relatively normal sometimes. And unless you, if you're feeling shame and guilty and judge, judging yourself, that's a different story. If it's always your coping mechanism to go to, that's a different story. So I just want to be clear with that because if you emotionally eat, sometimes you're normal, okay? So then... What I want to get into is, oh, and then the third red flag, the third red flag is if it's also coinciding with weight and health goals, right? So if we're always, <laughs> I love dark chocolate nuts. And I tell my clients all the time, because I don't believe in counting out how much you're eating. And I don't believe, you know, and all that. I just sort of reference how quick it takes me to finish the container. So if I finish the container of like dark chocolate pistachios in a week, I'm like, that was fast, Beth, because pistachios are small. So that means I finished that really quickly. So that's sort of the way I gauge myself, because it's also, again, normal to have a gauge. It's not thinking that you're being OCD and oh, my God, and I, I don't want to be a diet mentality. There's a balance between the two. So if you're gaining weight and, and it's affecting your health or you're having blood sugar issues and you're constantly going for the licorice. That's part three of the issue of when to flag emotional eating, okay? So to go back to that emotional eating, the fine line that you're riding when it's an issue is if it's constantly and consistently your coping mechanism and one of your only coping mechanisms, if it's resulting in feelings of shame or judgment and negativity, or three, if it's affecting your health, okay? Those are the three. Now, to define stress eating, okay? Stress eating is when your body is literally in a state of stress, okay? We all know that, right? And a lot of us are here because this is life right now. Um, in a state of stress, which is hyper arousal, it's tense muscles, it's shortness of breath, and possibly like super fatigued. That stress and then putting food in your mouth like that is called stress eating. So allow that to digest because now I'm hoping with things that I'm sharing with you, you're internalizing it to think about yourself and say, wait a second. So what I do, is it what's defined as stress eating, meaning your pot's boiled over and you're not okay. And yet somehow you're capable of shoving that food on the desk in your mouth like this. Okay. That's called stress eating, literal stress eating. Okay. Now, emotional eating is oh, what they did. Was, so stress eating was how it started, right? The concepts here. Then they broaden it to reference it as emotional eating. Emotional eating widens the net, okay? It's like, no, I don't do this and like somehow shove food down when I can't even swallow it, which some people might do, by the way, because it's just, it's just the way they think they ease their tension and their stress, right? So um, emotional eating is when you feel any sort of anxiousness, uh, depressed, sad, nervous, any emotions, basically worried or even bored, or you're celebrating. Like I said, emotions can still be positive emotions. So emotional eating is because of those reasons. 
And all of that ultimately means it's not because you're necessarily hungry or hunger isn't the driving force behind why you're doing it. And again, I find it good to define because the Instagram question box, oh my God, I'm emotionally eating. And it's like, okay, let's, let's break this down. Are, are you, are you, or, and then what type? And we're going to get to why this breakdown is important when it comes to the coping mechanisms or what to do instead that I'm going to get to. I'm actually going to give you tips here, but this is all important. Um, so let's discuss how to help ourselves. I don't want to say not emotionally because again, it's normal. I want to help us through the process of eating emotionally. Okay. So the first thing you need to do is pay attention. Right. What's going to be so great with everything I say, and if you've worked with me, you know, and I always want it to make sense. I always want to point out the obvious. I always want to be the person like when you're looking for your keys and it's right in front of your face. That is how you know something's real, okay? Try not to get wrapped up. This is just a general comment about diets and the adrenaline rush of the fantastical, exciting feeling of something, oh my God. It, everything should always be very practical and straightforward and like, ah, oh, you're right, okay? So pay attention, pay attention. And I say it like that because when I work with clinically diagnosed eating disorders or even let's be honest habits we might have ourselves or a lot of kids have is when you feel you're eating something bad and that you shouldn't be, or you're eating emotionally, a lot of times people do what's called closet eat where they're going and they're sneaking and they're eating really fast, really fast. So why do they eat really fast is because they don't want to even think that they're doing it. Like they, they feel a lot of shame and they don't want to know from it. Okay. You need to, do the exact opposite. You need to stop and pay attention. You actually need to be very present, which already shows me so much when someone's willing to do that about how deep this issue is. So if you already just stop and pay attention, step one, okay? You slow down. You then have to talk to yourself. So now this is easier said than done because a lot of people don't like themselves, which is why I always say that changes in your weight and your health, even though you're looking to change something, have to come from a place of self-love and positivity. You need to find that first or you need to find that in the process because you're only hanging out with yourself all the time. So slow down, pay attention, and then you have to talk to yourself. You have to ask yourself questions like you'd be talking to your kids or friends, just get curious and you have to say, why am I making these choices? How am I feeling? Um, then the major thing is to take note if you truly are hungry or you just want to eat. Then you can think about how your day is, how your day went, your thoughts kind of track back. Think about things like see where your thoughts lead you um, and then try to identify the driving behavior behind it. The major caveat here is none of this is overlying judgment or shame. You're not feeling at all like negative about this. You're just being curious and you're just answering the questions and you're stopping your thoughts there. So you have to be very present. So the paying attention is key because otherwise your thoughts spiral. Okay. 
Um, I want to start off by saying that the step one always is making sure you really aren't hungry. 90, 90% of the time, I'm telling people that they're hungry. So it exacerbates an emotional feeling, especially at night or whatever, but you skipped your caloric needs for the day or it's not consistent in the week, you're going to have those triggers stronger. And that doesn't lead to great choices anyway. So your step one of actually combating it is making sure you eat well throughout the day. And you could work with me privately in my office to make sure you're doing that because it's 90% of the time, not what people think it is. And a lot of times that takes away 90% of the issue. And then you just have the last 10%, which we we figure out together or we just sort of live with. It's really fine. Um, so you want to make sure you're eating throughout the day and having the snacks that you need, a balance of protein and fiber, I check everything that you mentioned help. Yeah, we're helping. We're good. We're good, guys. I only in step one, which is pay attention and ask yourself questions and get curious without any judgment. And then make sure you're tracking back and you're eating throughout the day a balance of protein and fiber every few hours so that you're leading up to help yourself. You need to help yourself. You can help yourself. You have the capabilities to help yourself. You can do this, okay? So that's what we're gonna do. So you're not gonna skip meals. You're not going to skip snack and you're not going to claim you're not hungry. I freak out when people tell me they're not hungry. I'm like, why are you not hungry? I'm hungry every few hours. Like it comes up. That means your cortisol is down. Your stress level is down because high cortisol decreases appetite. High cortisol doesn't make you feel like you want to eat, but that's a stress and fight and flight mode. You want to be open and you want to be in the other mode where you're burning your what you eat before your metabolism is moving. You're getting hungry every few hours. That's normal. Don't freak out by the hunger. Starving is an issue and stuffed, but the in-between is very normal to fluctuate over the day. That's a good thing, okay? So don't freak out by the hunger. You just have to know how to satisfy and fill yourself. You ready for another eye roll? Okay, I love the eye rolls. I'll take them because that means it's obvious and you're still not doing it. So that means it's doable and it's an identification factor of what you can work on. So drink water, drink water. Drink water, okay? First of all, it slows you down anyway. Gives you a minute to think because a lot of this is that instant urge to grab something. Most people are walking around dehydrated. Water is one of the components of your weight. It, it's just like when people say eat more vegetables and we're all like, we know, yet when you ask people that didn't eat vegetables, gotta drink water. It really helps for a lot of reasons here in this specific reason. Another idea could be even in the form of tea because tea is hot. So it slows you down. Everything's about taking away the instant reaction that does not allow you to pay attention and do the step ones and twos. If you do something instant, you're doing it mindless and you're not thinking. And I'm trying to get you guys to start off with step one, which is paying attention, not overthinking, but being curious. And that takes space and time. So you gotta figure out a way to slow this situation down. Figure it out, right? So that's what I'm gonna teach you. So either drink water, even better, a hot cup of tea, and then you sit with it for a moment because my next option, and by the way, it's cute when I was looking this up, they're like, you could even put cinnamon sticks in your tea because that kind of tricks you like you're having something sweet and it curbs your blood sugar. Cinnamon's very well known to help blood sugar, whatever. I don't care what gimmick you give yourself as long as it's real and not hurting you, but just drink something hot, make it a moment because the breath also of the slowing down is another tip. You have to breathe. I tell this to myself, but once you understand breathing, 
you understand why it's helpful. And a lot of times you're just holding your breath in this tense situation. And breathing is very helpful because it's helping you be focused in the moment. And it's literally already calming you down without you going for the food. So breath, breath, then even writing it down, writing it down. So I also, I'm even eye rolling this because sometimes I'm like, I don't, in this state, I'm not going to get my journal, you know, and sit at the table here. But sometimes I do, because I'm aware, I do jot in my notes, no, 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 like some sort of rant. Um, I even find it helpful. Sometimes I write voice notes to myself. So, and, and that helps me like articulate it to someone. So I don't care what it sounds like to someone else. This is stuff that's helping me and I hope it just helps you. But getting it out in some way, even if it's like a scribble or just a voice memo to yourself, whatever. Um, exercise. Not just exercise. I'll try to be more, I'm very specific about my tips. I don't like to be just giving those general like, oh, it's great to exercise and drink water. Okay. And people sort of laugh because if you know me from Instagram, I'm an avid like athlete. I don't even just do exercise, but that is not what I mean for other people. And it's not what you need to do. I showed on my Instagram recently when I was also feeling all this stress that even 20 minutes of vigorous activity decreases stress, depression, anxiety. So what that could mean for you is like a sprint, jump roping quick, um, even jumping in place with high knees. Uh, even if you have to obviously take rests in between, but the longevity of it should be about 15, 20 minutes. Doing that, uh, punching a boxing bag. Um, I'm a boxer, so. But some exact, like exerting of force for even 15, 20 minutes. So if you're like, okay, I know we should exercise. I just don't have time and, and I'm good and I hate it and I hate people. So that's fine. But 15 to 20 minutes of any vigorous activity will help significantly reduce stress. And there have been times where I'll literally, when I had a treadmill, jump on it in the night when I'm just feeling this little bit of anxious energy, get it out and stop. By the way, dancing. Dance like nobody's watching. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Just shut your door. Jump up and down. It really helps in the moment. Okay. The breath that I was referencing also the helpful exercises. And I've heard this passed around a lot is breathing in for five, four or five and breathing out for four or five. That's just a very simple breathing exercise that's passed around a lot and does a lot and do that cycle four times and allow yourself to be in that headspace to pay attention, be curious, answer the questions. Okay. Things like baths are very helpful. Luckily I roll because it's not lucky. My body gets really sore. So I already got very into Epsom salt baths and they also really help. And I'm understanding that in these moments, these are the last things you feel like doing. But once you cut the cord here and you break the cycle, then, oh, that's our reminder. You break the cycle, your golden to then create new habits and these new pathways. I'm telling you, you'll get there. Things like distractions. After this, you guys, I'm gonna give you 101 things to do instead. 101 things to do instead. I Again, I want you to eye roll. I want you to be like, Beth, this is not why I'm doing this. Go needlepoint, like, come on. I don't care. It's supposed to distract you and give you those minutes between. Um, what was very cool was I saw something that said that whatever 
benefit you're getting from eating a certain food is only lasting you a few seconds and then also leaving you with worse feelings. And I'm sure a lot of you relate to that because I know I'm living this, but it really is proven to not be doing what you think it's doing. It only gives very short-term effects, yet all these habits I'm trying to teach you guys to try to work in is giving you the long-term effects. And it's harder to do to start. It's like the little engine that could trying to get over the hill. But once you start creating these new pathways, you'll be fine. And it's helpful just to end with this, that to mindfully treat yourself is something I've always been a supporter of. This is not about restricting yourself or telling yourself you can't have food. Of course, if something is triggering for you, I always advise in the beginning to get rid of triggers only to help yourself and your ability to see something through so you feel good and motivated in yourself because you only have yourself to rely on here. So you need to create steps as as broken down as possible. Teeny steps, teeny, teeny. I'm thinking of those steps that you fall down because they're so small and you could just roll down all of them. Teeny steps, because you take these little steps and then you get to the bigger ones and you need to feel successful in the steps because you need to empower yourself. You need to do this for yourself. You can do this for yourself. So as dummy down as you need to get the steps to do so you feel successful in them is what you need to do. I don't care how silly or little they sound and and do not think that they're not effective because that's proven not true. It's the smallest changes that actually are the most effective long-term. So planning a treat is nice. If you're feeling like you're missing something out, I advise this, even if people are in weight loss to have a memorable food experience. And that's my point here is that I want you to create memorable food experiences that leave you with a smile and feeling really good. That's the good language that you should use, not on a food. There's no good or bad food. It's all in the moments and how you feel about them. And that dictates your weight and your health over time. So I'd like to thank you all for joining my Zoom. You will get a follow-up email. I have been getting requests about um, uh, having this recorded. It is. I want to see, I see some of your notes about it. Um, oh, happy birthday. Someone's having a birthday. Uh, probably born overweight. <laughs> well, I have one baby that was over eight pounds. I don't know. Is that overweight? But it's it's all relative. It's all relative. It's it's really about how you feel dictates where your body's going to be, that the body that's meant for you. That's what I tell people all the time. Your body is the body that God gave you. He knows better than all of us. And we just need to focus on what we can control and work on in order to better ourselves emotionally and physically and feel empowered by that and feel in control of that in the sense of feeling clear, clear and deciding which direction you want to take it. Sometimes I would like to treat myself here. I'd like to have dinner out here. I want to eat a salad today. It all is part of the same lifestyle. And the issue is, and this is maybe a topic for another day, is that people don't associate that lifestyle as a balance. They either associate, I only do the salad lifestyle, or I only do the eating out restaurants and eating cake all the time. You got to find the balance of the two. And it starts from reconnecting with yourself and taking the time and the space and the moments and being curious and asking yourself questions and being making it about you, not about what other people said or other diets are telling you or what your friend's doing. You have to come back to you. So 
hopefully we can make these a series. This is also part of my BWN community group, which will run weekly. It's part of our memberships now that we're starting with our private practice. And we will be doing Zooms like this once a week. And you can always send in your Q&As because that's more what the topics will be about. And um, thank you, guys. I hope you have a great day. Don't forget to tune in for more episodes on Spotify. And be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Nourished by Beth for more wellness ideas.